Thank you so much for being here again. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, picking up our Who's Your One stuff in just a little bit. Um, today we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 20. Um, there is a story that runs the length of 1 Kings chapter 20. Um, I'm not going to be running through all, um, all the verses. In fact, um, just to be quite honest with you, this has been a story that's just been, kind of been playing through my mind and my heart and and I've been reading it and reading it and reading it, and I, it's, it's one of those things that as I started it, I knew, I was like, okay, God, you really brought this to my mind, and I believe put this on my heart, because you, you, want, um, you want something of this communicated. And, and as, as I was um, coming in this weekend, and kind of had everything prepped, and uh, we were getting stuff ready for Dale, and I wanted to, you know, we kind of, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, tie the service together, and, 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 and what's, a, what's a word, what's a truth from God's word that would be encouraging, and we kind of connect all the dots, and and as I ended the week, God said, nah, let's, let's go with this thing that I've already put on your heart. Um, and then honestly, in many ways, it does connect. It connects um, for someone like Dale. I, I've been in his shoes. I've looked back at 10 years of ministry. And, 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 and you do. Your heart is, is, is as high as it can possibly be at times, and it's, it's, it's heavy as it can be at times. Um, looking back at 10 years of ministry is not a lot different than looking 10, back, 10 years back at, at, at being married or, or being parents or being in a job. It's looking back to see all of God's goodness, but all of your own struggles. Um, and, and it takes God speaking into us to encourage us. Um, but what we want to walk through this morning is a passage. Um, it's honestly, really, it's going to feel a lot like a story. In fact, part of how I'm going to present it to you is going to be a little bit story mode. Um, but there's a lot of truth in this passage. Um, going to be no notes on the screen. Going to be no verses. Um, it's going to stay on this title for the entire time. Um, unless the computer goes asleep and it switches to something else. Um, because this is something, as I, I prayed over it, um, one of the things I felt like God was putting at peace in my heart was that as we look at his word today, um, for each of us, most likely you're going to walk out with something from his word today that somebody that is six inches away from you will walk out with something totally different. So I really want to encourage you this morning, um, as you can, please, um, listen to God's word, listen to the events, listen to the lives and the decisions of what's going on in this passage, uh, because the truth of his word um, is, is going to speak to you this morning. Let's pray before we start to, start to go through this together. God, thank you for the moments that we've had to recognize Dale and appreciate and to celebrate him. Lord, thank you that we get to be here in this moment to hear from your word. So God, as we continue in this service and as we close this service out, Lord, we want to give you honor by giving you our attention. Lord, so every thought in our mind, every emotion in our heart, Lord, help us to focus on you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Chapter 20 um, is a story uh, largely of two kings. It's, it's a story largely of two kings. The king of Israel at the moment is King Ahab. Uh, the king of Syria at the moment is, is King Benadad. And there is a war that is quickly going to come up. And there's lessons in battles. If you've ever gone through anything in life that would resemble a battle, resemble a stressful time, anything like that, there's always lessons to learn. And many times, looking back, and that's what we're going to do now, um, as, as we look back on this set of events, number one, none of our names appear, which you know what it makes? It makes it really easy for us to go back and look at these people and, and see what their faults were, see what their successes were, because when it's not our names... It's less personal. Um, but what God does with his word all the time in our hearts is this, is he presents us with stories that, aren't, that don't involve our names, but brings out the fullness of our lives in our minds and in our hearts. So that's what I want us 
to really truly listen for today. At the beginning of this chapter, King Benadad um, is beginning to assemble. In fact, it says 32 kings, which um, these aren't 32 kingdoms. It's most likely 32 um, individuals that are functioning as a king, um, a, a person of authority in their city. So it's probably more accurately to understand this as a collection of about 32 cities or provinces that he's assembled here for battle. Um, and, and the battle is to defeat, to take over, to pillage um, the people of God and the possessions of the people of God. And as, as we walk through Scripture, we see real quickly what he sends even as a message to King Ahab. In fact, in verse 2, it just says it very clearly. He sent messages into the city um, to King Ahab of Israel and said to him, This is what Benadad says. He, he's already speaking in the third person because you know how people speak in the third person because they want to kind of feel like there's somebody. He's speaking for himself in the third person. Your, um, your silver and your gold are mine, and your best wives and children are mine as well. I mean, can you imagine? It's kind of like the gall. Like this guy is, yes, mounting up and offensive, but he sends a message into the city and tells this king, King Ahab, he's like, look, every bit of wealth that you have, it is now mine. I am going to go in, and, and the best of the wives that are there, the best of the kids that are there, like any, one, any woman that I find attractive, any kid that seems to have any promise at all, they're going to come with me. They're no longer yours. They're no longer going to live with you. And in a moment of fear, in a, in, a, in a time of difficulty, you would think that this would be the moment where someone would say, absolutely not. I mean, we, we, will, we will practically stab someone in the back of the hand with a fork if they take our last chicken nugget, right? I mean, like, there are lines that we even, like, are not allowed to be crossed at the dinner table. If you ever watch Friends, I, I like watching Friends, Joey doesn't share food, right? I mean, like, there is this thing in our head that we don't give away what our most valuable things are, no matter what they are. But his response was very simple. Then, king, then the king of Israel answered, Just as you say, my lord, the king, um, well, just as you say, the lord, the king, I am yours along with all that I have. The messengers then returned and said, This is what Benadad says. I have sent messengers to you saying, You are to give me your silver, your gold, your wives, and your children. But at this time tomorrow, I will send my servants to you, and they will search your palace and your servants' houses. They will lay their hands on and take away whatever is precious to you. The, have you ever realized this in life? The more that you yield yourself to the expectations of others that really are not the expectations of God, or the more that we, we say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this to please whoever, the, the more that we do that, and, and sometimes that even just becomes the habit of our lives, but the more that we do that, the more that is required of us. It never just stops with that one simple act. It, it, it's, it's that much more gets required. And, and really, King Ahab at this moment, king of Israel, king of God's people, we're starting to see something that, that, that his understanding and his view of God is very, very shallow, dangerously shallow, because at this moment, he's not just saying, you can have my things. He's saying that you can have me. That what I do will bend to the authority that you have. So already we see where his mind is. And then we see that what's going on in his life is that expectations that we give into sometimes just yield themselves to be greater and more expensive expectations. He then goes and, and gathers around the elders of Israel, the, the, the wise people that were around. 
maybe should have gone to those folks before he answered the king the first time, just maybe. Because their response was very clear. They heard him say this. And he, in fact, he tells me, he's like, this is what he told me. This is what King Benadad said he, w- he was going to require. And, and, and he, it's his words, he says, and, and I, didn't, I didn't disagree with him. I, I, didn't, I didn't fight him. I didn't resist. And, and their response is simple. They said, no, do not agree. Do not. In fact, they even said, don't listen to him. Because they realize the voice that you're listening to is not the one that you need to hear. And and maybe that's what some of us need to hear right now. Some of us need to hear that the voices that we're listening to are not the voices that we really need to hear. Some of us want to hear from God so badly, we want to know His voice. And many times in in life, if we are living for Him, it's strange how His voice is the voice of the people that we love. Uh, if you notice, and, and Dale, and I would be very quick to say the same thing in ministry, you, you depend on your wife so, so much. And I'm sure that he would agree with me. Many times when I'm living for the Lord and when Wendy's living for the Lord, his voice sounds eerily and ironically a lot like hers when she's speaking truth into my life. But sometimes we just trust people so much or we depend or we think we need them so badly that we listen to voices that maybe we shouldn't necessarily be listening to. As, as we continue down through this, he goes to this wise counsel. And now he's torn. Now he's at a place where he's like, I, I really don't know what to do. Like, I've committed myself. I've committed to give in. But now somebody's coming behind saying, no, you need to stand up for yourself. You need to listen to different voices. So now, before the battle starts, a little trash talking begins. There's a little, there's a little back and forth between him and, and, and King Benadad. Benadad says this. Um, he sends a message to him and says, May God punish me, or may the gods punish me, and do, not, and do it severely if Samaria's dust amounts to a handful for each of the people who follow me. In other words, he said, May the gods punish me if I don't bring so much destruction to you, where you live. If, if I leave enough dust from brick and from stone that all my soldiers can pick up a handful then I've failed. So then, at this point, King Ahab, he, he, he's, just trying to, he's trying to just get a comeback, right? You, you ever felt so lost? You ever felt like you were just in such a bind? Like you, just, like you felt like you needed to say something, so you just, you just said something? You, you were just trying to convince yourself that you could stand on your own two feet? This is what, ben, this is what King Ahab says back to him. Um, he says this, um, he tells the servant to respond this way. He says, say this, don't let the one who puts on armor boast like the one who takes it off. In other words, this is what he said, um, don't count your chickens before the eggs hatch. He said, don't brag like somebody who's done with battle and they've seen the victory. Don't brag like that person when you're at the beginning of battle. So King Ahab is, is borrowing some courage, some shared courage from these people that are trying to pour into his life. But, but if you notice... There, there, there's one key voice that he hasn't really sought after yet. And that's the voice of God's. That's the voice of God. And, and, and he doesn't seek directly. It, it ends up coming to him through a prophet. A prophet comes to him and brings God's voice to him. And, and this is what um, God's word comes to King Ahab and says. It says, a prophet approached King Ahab. This is down in verse 13. This is what the Lord says. Do you see this whole huge army? Watch, I am handing it over to you today so that you may know that I am the Lord. Man, that, that's awesome, right? Like, like we, we, he hears God's voice. But, but, but I don't think he really hears it for what God really says. 
What God is saying to him is, he says, I'm going to hand over this huge army to you. But why, God? Why are you handing it over to him? Because King Ahab needed to know God. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, I'm God, so I'm going to do something awesome. You know, you're the king of Israel. Because you're important, I'm going to do something good for you. I'm going to kick butt and give you the credit. He said, no, what I'm going to do is so that you will know that I am Yahweh, Lord, the king of all, the one that you should worship, the one that you should get credit, which blows my mind. Because when we apply the same logic to our life, here's what we have to realize. That the greatest things in our life or the absolute worst scenario is aimed at us knowing that the Lord God is God. You know why that seems so crazy? Because we end up stepping backwards and going, wait a second, it's not about me? Like, it's, it's not just for me to, to be comfortable. It's not just for me to, to socialize and connect. Like, the good and the bad, the, the, the all of it. God will even do something great in my life and, 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 and allow me to walk pridefully because he just really wants me to know who he is. Yeah. He just really wants us to know him. He really needs that to happen. We really need that to happen. King Ahab has no idea what to do. He, he asks how the battle's going to go. He wants details. And, and it's, it's this young group of leaders that God chooses to use in this battle to kind of mount up forces and really, really take the charge. And then God's word comes to King Ahab and he says, but you are going to start it. And you know what the crazy thing is? Here's, here's the thing. As clear as God's word was, you start it, you lead it. King Ahab never went in 100% in this battle. He went in with about a 75% strategy. He was, he was 75% in on this group of young leaders taking charge and taking the lead and going in and starting what God had spoken. But it was a delayed reaction when he actually took up the sword himself and jumped into the battle. If you read the order of events in this battle, King Ahab was willing to organize it, but he wasn't willing to take the deeper level of his own involvement in it. You know, in many ways for us as Christians, that's, that's, kind, of the, that, that's kind of the danger zone for us. Like we hear and we know and we sense enough of God but we, we go a percentage. We go 25, we go 50, we go 75%. And we don't go all into the life that he's really calling us to live because maybe we fear it. Maybe we think we can't do it. Maybe we think it's going to be this in, insane, radical lifestyle. We don't really realize how, how, how similar it is to what we're already living out in our day. It's just purposed for him. So that just, that just changes the conversations and changes the heart and changes the thoughts and it changes all that stuff. But, but, it, but it ends up actually, ironically, looking so much like what we're already living through. You know, church does that to people. I heard it said this week that, um, in a sermon that I listened to, um, a, a pastor um, likened church to the flu shot, right? He said that, that, that you get just enough of the real thing that you become actually immune to it. So as you continue on, 
it's, it's still in there. Like you, you've experienced the real thing. Your body has, but you've built up this immunity to it. You didn't get enough of it to actually make you contagious. And sometimes that's what the church does. We, we, we go in just enough to the body of Christ, and we, we do just enough, and then, and then Satan says, yep, you, you've experienced just enough of, just enough of it, and, and then we become numb to the message. We become numb to the call to serve, to be in community with people. We become numb to the mission of God, that people really are important, even if it's just one person in our lives, that people are the mission. We become numb enough because we, we've built up a tolerance to Okay, I, I've, I've gotten just enough to where I feel like I'm strong again and I, I, can, I can make it. It was an interesting analogy. And King Ahab here is, is walking in a semblance of victory, but, but this is what happens. After, after the war really does go their way, the battle really does go their way, there's, there's this pause moment where Benadad escapes. He gets away. He gets away free and clear. And, and the prophet comes back and warns King Ahab of something, because God has already sentenced, he has already wanted Benadad and his troops destroyed. That has, been, that, is, that has been clearly said as the will of God. God has proclaimed that over him. Notice what he was told by the prophet next. It says, the prophet approached the king of Israel and said to him, go and strengthen yourself, then consider carefully what you should do, for in the spring the king of Aram will attack you. He says, listen, you, you will battle again. Benadad has not seen the last moment of his fight. This is going to come around. Basically, what is he presenting? What is he presenting King Ahab with? He's presenting him with an opportunity to grow, to listen to God, to know his will, to know the strategy that God has for him. As believers in life, we have got to have focus in our lives when we are given an opportunity to be in a season of growth. We think so many times that because our days are hard, that it's, it's like we're in the major battle of our life when actually it's a season of growth. It's a season to look and see what God is doing because we don't really ever know what is, in fact, next. If we don't grow in the season that God gives us, we will never be prepared for the next thing that comes our way. And he really wasn't. He, he really, truly wasn't. Because they do attack again. And, and he sees here, you would think, because it's so clear in what God says, um, the, their strategy changed. When they attacked Israel this next time, th- this is what their thought process was. They said, okay, well, last time it didn't go well for us because we, we waged this war in the hills. It was this real hilly country, and they predominantly they had a lot of chariots, and chariots don't really do well in, 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 in hill areas. So this is what their theory was. This is what um, the Syrians' theory was. They said, you know what? Um, their God is, is, must be a God of the hills. Um, so we're going to now battle them in the plains. We're going to go on flat land because no God is, is, is going to be equally strong up in the mountains and down where we wage war right here. And this is what God's response is. And, and, and this is ultimately the great sin of this other army. They have a very limited and weak view of who God is. This is, what God, this is how God responds. Um, I'm going to read in verse um, 20. Uh, I don't even know what this says. It's so small. 20, let's just call it 28, I'm thinking. Um, then the man of God approached and said to uh, the king of Israel, this is what the Lord says. Because the Ar- Arameans have said the Lord is God of the mountains and not the God of the valleys, 
I will hand over all this whole huge army to you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So you know what we learned from that? Number one, the great sin of this other army is they had a limited view of God. They basically said, you're, you're, you're God here, but you're not God here. That is many times the great sin in our life. God, you're God. It's uh, like we're, we're with you when we're singing worship. But, but, but I'm not going to have those same kind of words cross my lips on Wednesday. You're God here, but you're not God here. Like, you're God of the advice I give, but you're not the God of my home where I t- should take that advice and actually put it to practice. That was their great sin. You know what King Ahab's great sin was? Still hadn't taken time to know God. What did he say? I'm going to do this now so that you'll know I'm Lord. I'm going to do something else so that you'll know me. God is, is, is acting and working with this singular purpose of a king knowing who he was. Knowing God will always be greater than the position we hold. Do you understand that? I, I hope you do because I have not understood it nearly enough in my life. God will always be greater. Knowing God will always be greater than the husband that I am. God will always be greater than the kids, the dad that I am. It will always be greater than being pastor. It will always be greater than being anything else because only with knowing God can I be the husband, the dad, the pastor, the whatever it is. Only by knowing God. And he's telling him over and over again, you just don't know me. You know what, he goes into this battle, and, and God does. He gives him the victory because no matter how sorry I live, God still keeps his promises. Have you figured that out? No matter how sorry I execute, he still performs. So, guess what? He gets the battle. And in the battle, in the, in the battle at this moment, when, when Benadad is totally defeated, he then comes back to King Ahab, the, the same king that he's insulted and said, your gold is mine, your silver is mine, wives, kids, everything I want. We're even just going to go search your outbuildings to see if you're just storing something out there. We're going to just get it all. And at that moment, he comes to King Ahab, as he says, as a brother. Not because they're actual brothers, but because they basically hold the same, a similar level of authority. We understand, we'll understand each other. We speak the same language. And he comes into him and he says, you know, things didn't really go the way they should. And King Ahab, starts to make concessions. He actually agrees to a treaty that looked decent. Benedict came in and said, you know what, we're going to give you all this land because we want peace. You know what he really offered him? All the land that was already theirs. It had just been taken. He offered them everything that already belonged to them. And, and I mean, it's it's... It's an absolute joke because King Ahab still hasn't figured out that when he doesn't know God and when he doesn't follow him, when, when, when he is reacting in fear, he's not reacting and he's not acting in his true identity. So he agrees to all of this. I mean, he makes this deal. It's absolutely absurd. And I want to shake him for it, but then I look at my own life and go, you know what, God? I got to admit, many times when things are bad, man, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. But as soon as they turn the corner for a little bit of good, I back off. 
back off of my pursuit. I'm not trying to dig as deep into your word. As if God is saying, "Eh, you probably know me enough. And when we really say that out loud, it it just, it, it doesn't hold water. So then a prophet comes to him. Verses 35 through about 40, uh, 40, I'm sorry, about 43. Um, If you ever read the story with Nathan and David, when when he tells David this parable and and David figures out how guilty he really is for his sin with Bathsheba, this is basically an acted out version of that. It's a pretty crazy situation. This This is most likely a different prophet. He hears and sees all this stuff, and God puts a message on his heart, and, and, and he starts to kind of really literally like act out a prophet. In fact, he's going to pretend to be a soldier coming back from battle. He goes to one of his friends, and he tells one of his friends, he's like, hey, listen, I really got to look the part, so do me a favor. Punch me in the eye. And the guy's like, no, man, I'm not going to punch you in the eye. Like, you don't deserve to do that. But he told his friend, he said, listen, this is, this is the message of God. This is, this is because God needs to communicate something to King Ahab. So based on what the Lord says, you punch me in the eye. And the guy says, no, look, man, I'm not going to punch you in the eye. And you know what he then turns around? Is, now, this is crazy. Think before you turn down being asked to do something in church. He says, okay, you didn't do what the Lord said. He said, so when you leave here, a lion's going to come hunt you down and eat you. And it happened. How awesome would that be? Like when you need somebody to do something, hey, uh, I really feel like the Lord wants you to do this. Uh, you know what? And I don't think so. Okay, well, just fair warning. When you leave here, a lion's going to come eat you, right? And then all of a sudden, like, they get in their car, like, an island, a lion's going to come eat me. Uh, like, uh, like the, just the fear that comes up. Like, that literally happens. You know what? Sometimes, ironically, I, I, really ironically, um, th- this servant um, basically showed mercy. He thought he was showing mercy when he should have just obeyed. Sometimes we convince ourselves that going easy on people is the best thing when what we really should be doing is obeying what God says and taking his truth to them no matter how difficult that moment is. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You've heard that scripture. And instead of listening, he really convinced himself that he was just, he was being nice. Like that's not, a, that's not, that's not the nice thing to do. So here's what happens. The prophet goes to the king. He looks the part, and he tells the king basically this. He said, listen, I was in battle, and he said, one of the captains um, handed me a prisoner to look after. And, and this was a legal process. If you were in battle as a soldier, and you were given a prisoner to look after, you had to look after them. They were your responsibility. You owed an extreme amount of money if you lost them or you died. And he says that. He said, that I was given a prisoner to look after, and, and in that moment they told me, I, I either look after this person or I don't live. Or I could pay this amount of money in silver, which was way more than a soldier could have ever afforded. And he tells the king, he said, and this is actually his words, but while your servant was busy here and there, he disappeared. Basically, he said this, look, listen, I I know this was my responsibility, but I was busy doing this, and I was busy doing this, and, and when I finally looked up to realize I was responsible, he was gone. And the king got furious, and he told him, he's like, you're right, you, you, like, forget the money. You, you can't pay for what you did. What you did is inexcusable. And he takes off the head bandage. When, and with, a, with, a, with a swollen eye, he looks at the king, and the king realizes this is not a soldier. This is one of the prophets that I have heard of. And all of a sudden, he looks the king eye to eye, and he said, you know what? You were responsible for God's people. You were responsible to know him. And you were busy, king. You were busy here. You were busy there. In the moment that you were supposed to protect... You weren't watching. And now that you've looked up, the people 
are gone. Because God had said, there's going to be consequences for this. And at that moment, God pronounced a sentence over Ahab's life. His life was now a ticking time clock. His reign was going to end. And it's insane, this idea, this, this, this we get busy here and there, and we totally lose track of the greatest responsibilities we have. Number one, knowing God. I bet there's not a person in this room that couldn't say, I've gotten busy here, I've gotten busy there, and I have really truly in periods of my life set, set aside really knowing God and growing spiritually, myself included. Nobody's pointing fingers. We all, we, we, we all get that. We're getting ready to go through this, this thing here where we really want to pray over one person, one person, one person. For, for, for all of us, too many seasons in life have gone by where we haven't truly ever reached one person. We were busy here, we were busy there, but, but, but we neglected. And we can relate this to any area of our lives, right, parents, right? You, you look back on even short seasons and you go, you know, we were busy here, we were busy there, but like what happened to the conversations I was supposed to have with my kids? Me and Wendy have this talk all the time. This is what grieves us as parents, that, we're, that, that we get so busy that we're, we're missing the primary responsibility of what we're there for. We, we, we figure this out with church, with family, with all these people, all these moments. We, we, we get so busy here, there, and we realize it's gone. Well, no more for us as a church when it comes to the lives of people. We're done. We're done. And we, we got to be done as, as believers. We have to get to the place as Christians where we go, you know what? I'm not going to be his, here, busy here, there. I'm going to be in community. I'm going to be serving. I'm going to do something. I'm going to grow spiritually in my life. I'm not going to be lulled into the church habit. I'm not going to do any of that. It's not going to be here, there, and gone anymore for me. I, I, I'm, I'm going to do what God has commanded me to do. I'm going to reach one and disciple one. I'm going to have that conversation. We could, we, could, we could take this story and pour it into almost any single area of our lives. And I've been reading this thing over and over and over again. There's so many details in this story. I'm, I, I can promise you right now, in case you noticed it, you don't even need to email me or text me. I'm sure I, I botched a couple of details from this story just because I moved through it so fast. I'm sure on some level I missed something. I'm sure... At some point, I moved too fast, I said too much, I did something. But you know what? This story is, go back and read it. Go back and read it. There'll be so many things that just jump out of this story as you look at it. And ultimately, what is God working to in this story? What's he working to? For this king, regardless of the position that he had acquired, no matter the heights that he had reached, his goal was for this king to know him. And no matter what's going on in your life right now, that's God's number one goal. It's the best thing that you can invest in is knowing Him. We all need to look at our schedules. We all need to strategize what's happening. But one thing that we can for sure get right coming up is this thing about reaching one. 